The ghost stories you're about to hear were all provided by you. Putting it together, that was 22 Creations Multimedia LLC. What is it about this holiday that so fascinates young and old alike? (laughs) Halloween has remained at the heart of our yearly fall celebrations, the last hurrah before the cold of winter sets in. It is the one day of the year in which we can laugh at death. So we take pleasure in the morbid, the creepy, and the terrifying. So put on your costume, turn out the lights, and prepare to be frightened. (laughs) Well, what do you know? It's Halloween weekend. Here on Paranormal Perception, we've been gathering your ghost stories all month long. Now, it's time to share. After all, sharing is... Now it feels and sounds like Halloween night, doesn't it? Welcome to Paranormal Perception, the Halloween episode... Come on in. Take a seat by the fire. There's coffee. We got tea. We've got some hot cocoa if you want that. Feel free to pour yourself whatever you like. You can stay in here until that storm outside dies down. But it's going to cost you. You have to share a ghost story with us. I mean, it is Halloween. When else would you tell ghost stories around the... Well, okay. Here in Paranormal Perception, we're going to do it again on Christmas. But I'm talking about normal people. Normal people usually don't tell ghost stories on Christmas. We will hear... We'll talk about that later on in this episode or at next month, which is in just a few days. But I'm talking about what we like to do on Halloween. Tell ghost stories. Go trick-or-treating. However you celebrate it, somehow, at some point, we're going to tell a scary story. That's what this episode is all about. We all deal with the spooky here. The guests. Me. You. We deal with it all year long. So let's share with everyone taste of what we all experience all year long, shall we? But before we get to your stories, let me introduce you to a friend of mine. She's a great storyteller, particularly when the subject is Halloween. Her name is Leslie Bannatine, and she is an author and Halloween historian. Leslie has been featured on Halloween specials for the History Channel. She's written articles for Time Magazine, Slate, National Geographic, and she contributed the Halloween article for the World, for the World Book Encyclopedia. She's written five Halloween books, including Halloween, an American Holiday, and American History, and the one that introduced me to Leslie a little over a a decade ago, Halloween Nation, Behind the Scenes of America's Fright Night. So I'd say Leslie knows a thing or two about Halloween. So let's welcome her to the show. Hi, Leslie. Happy Halloween to you. Welcome to the show. (laughs) Hello. Happy Halloween. Thanks for coming on. So, ordinarily, I've had you do it on on other shows. I've had you done it there. We'd start with a history of Halloween. We're not going to do that. Instead, I want to talk a little bit about traditions. That's uh, that's what the book that that first introduced you and I 
to each other. That, that's what you cover in that one. So let's talk about uh, Halloween traditions. Specifically, I want to start with, are there any new ones? And we talked about it a little bit, I think, last year on the uh, virtual OC Paracom panel. But, uh, but are there any new traditions that were born out of the the surreal Halloween from 2020? It was surreal, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, <laughs> People did what they could. People are always creative around Halloween. It kind of is mind-boggling how creative they get. But um, trick-or-treating was something that not everybody did during COVID. They kept their kids inside. They did more Halloween movie nights, you know, with with their pod, with their family and their friends that they were okay with. Mm-hmm. Kids that did go out trick or treating, there were some innovative things for them, like the the, the candy shoot. I don't know if you yeah. ever saw one in person, yeah, but did. my neighbors had one. <laughs> it was great, you know, a tube, a PVC tube, and you slide the Snickers bar down the tube into their little <laughs> basket. For those that did go out trick or treating, there were little, you know, adjustments like that that we did for COVID, or putting candy at the end of the driveway on a table, or or something like we tried to make it work. But I would say overall. Trick or treating, it got rained on that those COVID Halloweens. It was just not something that everybody did. They they were inside, they were with their own people, and they were doing game nights and movie nights and things that felt safe to them. So it was definitely a different Halloween. Will those become traditions? I don't know. I mean, family movie night sounds like a great thing for Halloween, but as long as it's not conflicting with trick-or-treating, which I think will come back in full force. Yeah, I saw that in last year in 2021. I think part of it had to be because, like like you said, we were all locked down and we couldn't do anything, so we were all happy to get back out. And there were a few who still fall. I don't, remember, I don't know if you saw this also. This started in 2020, and it carried over into 2021. I don't know where they got them, but this, this long, um, remember like the old hook when you would get the hook on stage, but at the end it had a, <laughs> Little hand, uh, plastic hand with a uh, with a little net on it, and that's how kids were trick or treat. They would hold that out, and people would put the candy in there. And I saw a little, a few of those um, uh, stick around in 2021. Uh, now this year, I suspect it's going to be even more. Now that we're more relatively back to normal, um, that's why I started with that. Is is uh, out of all of that? Do do you think because of how how what the pandemic did to us, any of those new traditions quote-unquote will stick around you know my crystal ball is foggy there but if (laughs) i were to go on instinct i would say "Mm, not really what i've seen so far this this october is people coming back full force to big outdoor halloween events and maybe if that's something that increased with the pandemic things going outside that will definitely stay with us. But haunted house lines, um, cemetery tours, fall festivals, they all, pumpkin festivals, mazes, they all seem to be back in pretty much full force and pre-pandemic style. You know, no masks, outdoor events are crowded. So it's kind of gone back to what it was before, as far as I can see. Well, one thing that you mentioned a couple of times that I hope does go back to the way it was, was going to, I get, I get it, you know, watching movies at home with your family, 
But a lot of people seem to, they're still afraid or I don't even know if afraid is the right word, but they don't want to go back to movie theaters. We, uh, mm. Just a few weeks ago, we had the, the, well, what's supposed to be the final Halloween movie. We know it probably won't be, but <laughs> it was supposed to be the final Halloween movie. Um, and a lot of people watched it at home. Very few saw it in the theaters and horror films, especially that used to be an experience. Something you go in a, to a crowded theater and you're, you're screaming and laughing along with the, with the crowd. That's one tradition that kind of went away that I hope comes back. Not, not, not watching horror films but watching them in a movie theater. You're right. You're right. And, um, you know, during the pandemic, maybe this will take its place. Uh, there were a lot of, organizations, restaurants, churches, schools that did movies outside, you know, like drive-in style. Yeah. That become a really popular thing during the pandemic. And gosh, if you want to go back to the the genesis of horror films, the drive-in movie was probably mm-hmm. where you might have seen your very first one. Yeah. Um, I don't know if that will continue because a lot of the, around here anyway, I'm in the Boston area in the Northeast, around here a lot of restaurants put up movie screens outside in their big parking lots and people would drive up and and watch them there those restaurants are gone i mean they didn't survive the pandemic so i don't know if drive-ins will be as popular as they were during covid or drive-in like events but i think you're right that people are not fully back in the movies and it is definitely a different experience Again, you're right to watch a, a horror movie with other people and to watch it on your couch when you can stop it when you feel like you need yeah, a break. You, get, you feel your popcorn or your drink, whatever. Yeah, they made it convenient, like yeah. most things today. Uh, another thing that I was thinking about the this is something we talked about actually. I think when your very first interview, but they were at the time they were relatively new. The the extreme haunts, not the ones that we're used to that pop up every now and then. The really extreme ones where they tie you up and it, it, it's really interactive. Uh, did the pandemic calm those down or are they just as extreme as before? Um, I think they are as they were before. I mean, I know you're talking about the ex- extreme, extreme ones where you have a physical experience. People touch you. They yeah. put you through horrible things. I think that's that's not quite entertainment that's something else (laughs) it's like (laughs) psychodrama or something else the the haunted houses that are entertainment seem to you know they're doing what they always have done they're picking up on the movies that are current they're inventing new horror rooms um a lot of them are adding other events to their haunts so that you get escape rooms together with a haunted house or a whole campus where there's bonfires and several haunted houses. It seems to me that haunted houses are not getting more extreme. They're doing what they always have done and trying to boost the entertainment value. So you spend your whole evening there rather than just kind of standing in line, going through and going home. Yeah, you're right. You're right. I was, I was going to say, I've noticed that seems to be the the, the new thing, the, the escape rooms. Everyone's doing those now. Yeah. So it's, it's more entertainment or more, you know, you go one place for the evening and you've got everything there. And it's, it seems like it's lots of fun. It, well, I know you said your uh, crystal ball is a little foggy, but um, <laughs> as tech takes over, you know, we have a nap for everything. It seems like, uh, do, do you think in the next five, even 10 years, you think tech will take over Halloween in some way? 
Oh, how do you how do you mean like computerized? Yeah, I've seen a little bit of that where um, what were they, I forget what they were called, but it's kind of like a kind of like we were, we we said in the beginning where people would, wouldn't go up to doors anymore and ring the doorbell. Now it's uh, kind of like the uh, the DoorDash and those kind of delivery things. You it, uh, there's a map that tells you which houses are given uh, candies, which ones yes. aren't, uh, and that's a, that's an app on your phone. At least we've I've seen it over here. Uh, things You're like right. that is is yeah. what I'm saying. Yes, and I have seen that here. Um, that that you, yeah, those in, the interactive maps you can sign up. Yeah. The thing about that is that if you don't know about it, you don't sign up. So you you light your house and you decorate your front yard and you buy tons of candy and you know. And then you're twiddling your thumb there. <laughs> no one does. So I'm I'm not until those get more finessed. I'm not seeing that as a benefit for trick-or-treaters i mean (laughs) so many people it's becoming polarized trick-or-treating and i don't mean politically in any way but over over the past decade or more this has been happening where there are kind of hot halloween neighborhoods where everyone decorates and it's a blast and everyone goes there because they know it yeah. And it's not because of an app, but they know this is the neighborhood that really does this. And so you have these neighborhoods with tons and tons of people, and it's lots of fun, both for the kids and the adults that are coming with them. But on the other hand, it takes all the trick-or-treaters from your neighborhood if you don't happen <laughs> to be there, and you just don't. You get fewer and fewer kids. So there's neighborhoods that are dark and neighborhoods that are brightly lit. Um and that's something that's been happening for a while. And the the more times you you get ready for Halloween and no one comes, it's just a matter of time before you just stop doing it. So I'm I'm nervous about that, and I hope something changes in that dynamic. Although I love the big, decorated, wonderful Halloween neighborhoods. There's just got to be a way to spread it around a little bit. Yeah, I have a feeling it's it's going to have to be tech or or social yeah. media or some some way to to get a, get the word out that hey we're we're here too not just that neighborhood yeah 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 so so let's uh, let me have you talk um not about every single one just in brief talk about the uh here in America let's go with that in America how did how did most of the the traditions that we associate with halloween how did those begin well it was uh immigrations immigrants from Ireland and Scotland and who came over in the 1800s and even 1700s who brought their Halloween folklore with them because that's where the holiday was really first celebrated. It was the eve of All Saints Day or All Hallows. And it became secular, you know, in the 16 or 1700s where where the night before the church holiday was a night that was more secular, more of a party. And Halloween had its origins there. So it came over in the folklore and the food of people from those countries. But it wasn't widely celebrated here until the late 1800s when it was a golden age of parties. Everybody loved to throw parties. And Halloween was a holiday that most people read about in newspapers or magazines, articles about this crazy, quaint, rural holiday from Northwestern Europe. And they thought, what a great theme for a party. And they started throwing Halloween-themed parties, which had all of the trappings that we have today. They had jack-o'-lanterns decorating it and corn stalks and dressed in costumes like ghosts and witches and played games. And at that time, 
did a lot of fortune telling. That's something that's fallen out of our Halloween proper, but it kind of exists still in all the psychic fairs you see around this time. But it came here, the Victorians turned it into a big party, and then we as a culture just adopted it, and it grew and grew and grew throughout the 20th century to what it is now. And if you all want a more detailed history of Halloween, then uh, I have a link on the show description. You can get Leslie's book, Halloween in American His- Holiday in American History. That really goes into detail on the history of Halloween uh, and the traditions. That's the other one that I mentioned. Um, uh, uh, Halloween Nation, uh, uh, again, link to everything on the show description. The telling, what we're about to hear from the listeners, telling the, uh, the ghost stories, when and how did that start to become a tradition? That is a great question because I would say the ghosts or supernatural is your base point for Halloween. And we can go back 1,500, 2,000 years for that. This was um, a time of year, November 1st, was called Samhain or Summer's End over in Ireland, Scotland, Wales. Um, And this was the cusp of winter, looking into the deep, dark, dangerous season. And it was a time when the tribes would gather together. And because you had everybody gathering together at this time to, to kind of batten down for winter. But because the whole community was together, the ancestors were a part of it because that's how we thought at that time. Everybody's included, which includes the supernatural. And so that has always been a part of Halloween. I wouldn't say people were telling ghost stories 2,000 years ago, but they were thinking about those who were dead, who were beyond the living. And that got very strongly reinforced in the Middle Ages and especially the late Middle Ages with two church holidays that landed at this time of year, All Saints Day and All Souls Day. And All Souls Day is to pray for the dead. And so there was this reinforcement. This was a time of year to think about the dead, to think about the spirit world, the world beyond this one. And it was really important in in culture in 15, 16, 17, 1800s over in Europe. And so the idea of thinking about the dead and praying for the dead has been with Halloween ever since the beginning. So it's given this ghostly cast to the holiday. So when we started to celebrate it for fun, we would bring the imagery of ghosts and witches and creatures that didn't exist in this world into our celebrations of Halloween and our decorations and things like that. Um, you probably know that we told most ghost stories on Christmas yeah. <laughs> until until fairly recently. And that makes sense. That is the darkest point of the year, right? Mm-hmm. And ghost stories are about the dark. It's about what's what you're imagining is out in the dark that you cannot see. What's coming from the dark? What's coming from the beyond, beyond the grave, beyond our universe? And so ghost stories migrated from Christmas to Halloween when Christmas was given over to a family holiday and a child, more of a children's holiday, more of a, a a family holiday. And ghost stories kind of migrated over to Halloween where we had always had this interest in the supernatural and got attached to Halloween. And you can, the fortune telling that once was a very important uh, part of Halloween, maybe at in around 1900, late 1800s, was because the spirits were around. And this was a time to ask them for advice or for what would happen in your future. And that carries through the 20th century, not so much in fortune telling, but the fact that the ghosts are present at this time of year. Um, We 
think of them at this time of year. I don't know if they're more active at this time of year. Ghost ghost hunters tell me no, not not actually. Um, but we think of them at this time of year, and we've we've tried to communicate with them at this time of year because we kind of always have. <laughs> and just because we're modernized doesn't mean our instincts are. So yeah. the idea that ghosts come around at the dark part of the year is something that's deep in the psyche of humans. And we're lucky that we have this holiday that kind of celebrates ghosts. You just explained why I do the the Halloween episode the way I do and also the Christmas episode. That's exactly why we tell ghost stories. When I was trying to decide, doing a, a, a ghost stories on a, on a paranormal show, that's easy. But then when Christmas came around, I started thinking, well, how, how are we going to do Christmas on a paranormal show until, until I remembered exactly what you just said? Christmas basically was Halloween back in the early 1800s. So <laughs> that's what we do again on, on the Christmas episode. So perfect for paranormal perception. And, and yeah, I've heard that before. The, the guests that talk here, we, we like I said, we deal with the spooky all year long, not just on one day or one month. So we know, yeah, the, the spirits are always there. And what, what does happen, I've heard this from psychics and other people, what does supposedly happen right now during this time is the veil between their world and ours. This is when it gets, it when it's at its thinnest is what happens. So that makes it easier for us to see them or communicate with them. Uh, hence why All Saints Day came around that time also. So that, that part uh, I'm familiar with. Um, before we, we wrap up, let me have you talk a little bit, even though it's not really Halloween related, but talk a little bit about your latest book. Oh, thank you, Henry. Uh, I wrote a collection of short stories. They're not Halloween related. They are just short stories that I've always wanted to write. And it's called Unaccustomed to Grace. And it's out. You can find it on all of the online bookstores or ask your own bookstore for it. It's published by Callisto Gaia Press, and it's just really exciting for me to have a book of the, of creative writing out there. The, not not Halloween or scary or spooky in any way. No, no, these are just ideas I've had for a long time that I was finally able to put together into a manuscript and make into a book. So it's something completely different. <laughs> What's what's been the reception? Because you know we're used to you, Halloween stuff from you. Yeah, um, you know it doesn't seem to matter. It's uh, people. I don't know. It's it's found its own audience. Uh, people who have read Unaccustomed to Grace don't know that about my Halloween background necessarily. There's nothing in the book that says that. <laughs> <laughs> and people who do know about my Halloween background who read the book say, "Huh, this is different." Okay. <laughs> yeah, well, that's good. So there, there it is, Leslie Bannatine kicking off our Halloween episode. Um, you've told me a few over the years. Do you want to get it started? It doesn't have to be a scary story, but do you, I'm, I'm thinking about you know when you when your your first Halloween, your uh, when you got your first kiss on Halloween. <laughs> you've told me some stories like that. Do you want to share a quick story to get the kick everything off? Well, I'll tell you about my. My um, earliest ghost experience, which was I was um, maybe nine or ten years old, sleeping in my grandmother's house in what would have been my <clears throat> sorry, would have been my aunt's bedroom. And I woke up in the middle of the night, and I know it was the middle of the night because my grandmother had one of those clocks that chimed the quarter hour, and I was listening to it chime quarter after something, <laughs> and um, 
I had this strange feeling and I looked over into the chair next to my bed and my grandfather, who had died several years before, was sitting there as clear as day. And he just turned and looked at me and looked confused. I completely freaked out. I'm nine. (laughs) I went under the covers. And when I peeked back, he was gone. But in thinking about it, I mean, it was such a clear vision. And I knew I was awake. And thinking about it, years and years and years later, I thought I was in my aunt's bed. That's who he was looking for. He wasn't looking for me. That's why he looked surprised. He was looking for the little girl who used to sleep there. So um, that kind of that kind of explained it for me. And now I, I kind of treasure that as a nice as a nice memory. Yeah, that, I'm, I'm just thinking, how did I never know the story about you after all these years? <laughs> <laughs> but they, there you go. There's there's I kicked it off. Now it's time for you guys to tell your stories. We've collected them over the months. So we'll do that in just a second before we do. Leslie, thanks a lot for coming on. Let them know your website, social media, everywhere they can follow you and everything that's coming up from you. Certainly. Thank you. Um, you can find everything on iskullhalloween.com. That's I-S-K-U-L-L halloween.com. That's my website. Um, you can simply Google my name, Leslie Banatine, and that'll probably call it up. And um, all my books are there. There's plenty of articles if you want to read more about Halloween or if you want to check out Unaccustomed to Grace. It's all there. Yeah, and I'll link it up for all of you. Uh, just click on Leslie's name. It'll take you right there. So again, it's Leslie Bannatine. Leslie, thanks uh, thanks a lot for coming on and kicking off the Halloween episode. I'm going to wish you and your family a happy and very safe Halloween. Thank you, and same to you. Happy Halloween. And now, your Halloween ghost stories. This year, I have 10 stories to share with all of you. Some are scary, of course. Others are funny, touching, informative. Another is terrifying, especially when you think about it happening to you. The best thing about all of these stories, though, they're all true. Hey, Crystal here with Integrity Paranormal Research. I'd like to share a story that happened in my current home a few years ago. At the time, my husband was working the night shift, so I was home alone, sleeping with my Doberman by my side. Then something woke me up. I open my eyes, and I see a man walking along the side of my bed, between the bed and the wall. And he's, like, walking from the headboard towards the foot of the bed, where he just, like, disappeared into the shadows of the room. So, kind of weird, kind of creepy. But if you don't know me, I can be very skeptical. So my first thought wasn't, oh my God, it's a ghost. (laughs) My first thought was, okay, I'm probably just waking from a dream. Probably wasn't real. Whatever. I've read about that hypnagogic state of sleep where your body is waking up, but your mind is still asleep. So I thought that's all it was. So anyway, I'm... I'm fully awake by this point, so I roll over onto my left side to try to get back to sleep, and that's when I see Tessa, my dog, standing alert on the bed, staring at the area where I saw the man disappear. And I'm like, okay, all right, maybe 
Maybe that was just, wasn't just a dream. <laughs> got to cleanse the house tomorrow. <laughs> anyway, that's all I got for you. Thanks, Henry, for letting me share my story, and happy Halloween. This is Rick from Barstow, and this is my story. We'd moved into a rental place uh, in Barstow. After about a year of us getting there, things kind of started happening strangely when our little dog showed up. One evening I was sitting outside at our little outdoor fireplace enjoying the evening. The sun had just gone down. It was just starting to get dark. And I was sitting listening to some uh, music. When suddenly it sounded like footsteps were running up behind me and I had this uh, incredible feeling of being attacked. And I could hear the crunching of footsteps in the, in the rocks behind me. It was just such a, uh, a sudden rush that I thought I was under attack, that someone was going to jump me. I jumped up and yelled real loud because I didn't have, for the fight or flight response, the only thing I could had time to do was fight. So I turned around, ready to attack whatever was coming at me, and there was nothing there. And it really... Uh, made such an impact on me that I could hear those sounds and feel that feeling without there being anything visible that it just stuck with me. And to this day, I, I still don't know really what it was other than it was something paranormal. So that's it. Happy Halloween. Hello, this is Nicole Strickland from the San Diego Paranormal Research Society, and I have some brief history and a couple of paranormal encounters coming from the Star of India, belonging to the Maritime Museum of San Diego. So at the end of the 19th century, people emigrated from the British Isles to various areas. These folks embarked on fragile ships and sailed inhospitable seas. The Star of India is the oldest iron-hulled merchant ship afloat constructed on the Isle of Man in Great Britain. She was launched on November 14, 1863 as the Uterp. She participated in the Trans-Pacific Trade from 1871 through 1898, circumnavigating the globe 21 times with two stops in San Francisco. 1864, of course, uh, her maiden voyage from Liverpool, her home port. Uh, let's see, the Uterp sailed to California, 1873 and 1883, to load cargo for her voyage around Cape Horn and back to England. From 1898 to 1900, she, heavily, she was heavily involved in the lumber trade and became an American ship in 1900. In 1902, she made her first voyage from San Francisco to Bristol Bay during her reign with the Alaska Packers Association. The Alaska Packers Association picked up four vessels from Cory's Irish Stars. Star of Bengal, Star of Italy, Star of France, and Star of Russia. The Star of India got her name for her work on the Indian trade. Then in 1923, James Wood Coffroth saved her from the scrapyards, handed her over to the Zoological Society of San Diego in 1926, given to the Maritime Museum of San Diego on July 4, 1976, and she was relaunched in San Diego Bay. So... The ship is very uh, known for its paranormal uh, claims, apparitions, shadow energies, disembodied vocalizations, objects moved by themselves, disembodied footsteps on various decks. I do have a story down from the Orla Pole. 
I was doing an overnight investigation with the San Diego Paranormal Research Society down in 2000 or back in 2010. There were about five of us uh, down in the Orlop hold. We were seated when all of a sudden we heard something of uh, quite a, a, a big size move by itself across the floor. So when we went to go inspect, we decided or we discovered that it was actually a chair that had done that. So a chair moved by itself and slid across the floor. We could not figure out how that happened. Uh, you know, the, the ebbing and flowing of, of the ship, there was no reason for that. It was pretty still that night. Also, let's see here, the anchor chain locker. Very interesting story here. There was a Chinese crew member going about his business one day. A crewmate from above wanted to raise the anchor. As the chain filled the storage room, it tragically crushed this Chinese crew member. And no one could hear his screams. So many people, including myself, when they go into this exact spot, feel the fear and the emotions associated with this. Uh, I've even felt like a crushing sensation in my chest maybe left over from this tragic incident. We, we also had an experience in the galley where we smelt phantom bread. And uh, one of the pots, again, going back to the object, objects moving by themselves, one of the pots fell off its hook. And there was absolutely no reason for this. The ship was very still. So there's a lot of uh, activity going on uh, aboard the Star of India. Sadly, one of uh, its stowaways, John Campbell in 1884, uh, was put to work on the vessel after he was found. Tragically, he fell from the mast, breaking two legs, and passed away three days later. One night on a different investigation, when we were in the captain's quarters, we did capture an EVP that was not heard by the naked ear at the time. Upon review of that audio, we heard a man, or a, a teenage boy, it sounded more like a teenage boy, say, help me, could that be? Maybe a residual type of vocalization from John Campbell, or maybe another passenger or crew member. It's hard to know. But if you have not visited the Star of India, I suggest you do that. There's all kinds of wonderful history there. It has one of the greatest maritime, or actually aboard the Berkeley, which is right next door, has one of the greatest maritime museums or maritime libraries in the world. So I encourage you to come to San Diego and visit the Maritime Museum of San Diego and hopefully investigate the Star of India. Happy Halloween, guys. My name is Annette, and I'm from Martinez, California. When I grew up, I grew up in a household that did not understand the metaphysical, psychics, mediumship, let alone anything paranormal. Um, And it was not known that I was a medium at that time. And I was experiencing all sorts of things. Um, I used to see night lights, um, have night lights in my room because I saw things that scared me. And my parents, um, being good parents, old-fashioned, chalked it up to, um, you know, nightmares from spooky movies. And they would never let me see them. And I grew up not watching spooky movies as a result of that experience. Um, When I was nine years old, we moved into a new home, or a home that was new to us. Um, The owner had moved this home from his other site, uh, from another site in the city where I lived, to this location, but he had died of a heart attack and was never able to move into it. 
I had felt a lot of weirdness when we moved in, but again, my parents discounted it as um, being an excitable, hysterical girl. So when I was about 10 years old, as many young girls do, I kept a diary. You know, we always keep it in secret hiding places so our parents don't read it. Um, but one night, I had my bed was on the opposite wall away from my door. Something woke me in the middle of the night, and I half sat up, and something called my attention to the door where I heard a fluttering. And with that fluttering, all of a sudden, out of nowhere, like it was produced from thin air, a book came flying at me, and it toppled head over heel kind of thing, just kind of rolled and fluttered in the air. All the pages were fluttering, and it landed, bang, right on the floor next to my bed. Scared the bedevil out of me. I looked down and discovered that was my diary, which had been hidden behind the headboard of my bed prior to this. Uh, so I screamed, woke up the whole house, and that's how I know nobody was playing a game. I had two brothers who could be pranksters, but they were furious that I woke them up with my screaming. My parents came from across the house, and they were furious, and they told me that I just dreamed it, and I kept pointing to the diary on the floor, saying, it doesn't belong there. I didn't put it there. It was flying. And they, you know, just wrote it off to a hysterical girl nightmare, but that was the first of many um, events that would follow over the years that were different, and I didn't know how to classify them until much later in life. And with that, I wish everyone a happy Halloween. Hey guys, it's Sana. Happy Halloween. So this is my creepy short Halloween story for you guys. A couple of years ago, I want to say about five years ago, I have a friend who moved to Sierra Madre to this new apartment. Um, it's a th three bedroom apartment. Um, and I remember me and about, it's about six of us, me and a few friends, we had a, a housewarming party for him. And so, you know, we were all having fun. We had dinner, there was drinks. We were bumping music. It got really late, so a few of us actually ended up staying over. We were like, okay, we'll just wake up the next day and go home, you know, when we're properly rested because it was really late. So um, a few of us stayed back, and we stayed in the second bedroom um, of the home. And um, it was me and one of my girlfriends. We're, we're, uh, we were sharing a room. And I remember I got up uh, to use the restroom. It was around 2.45, 2.50 a.m. Everyone was asleep. And I remember walking. There was this long hallway outside the second bedroom, which led to the bathroom on the left. Um, I'm walking down the hall, and I feel like there's someone behind me. Like, I can hear. You know how it was a wooden floor. You know how you could kind of hear footsteps on a wooden floor it was like that it was like something was following me down the hall um I turn around quickly and you know I'm thinking it's my friend uh but it's not her there's no one standing by the door so I quickly cut on the lights in the hallway 
And so the lights are on. I make myself into the bathroom. Um, so I'm in, I take care of my business. I come back out and the lights are they're shut off. So <laughs> something turned the lights off. Um, like I said, there was no one awake at that time. Everyone was passed out. Um, the next morning, uh, I brought it up. Uh, I asked my friends, you know, I was like, did someone turn the hallway light off outside the bathroom when I got up? And everyone was like, no, mm-mm. like, okay, maybe it was me. Maybe I, you know, turned the lights off and then decided to go to the restroom. I don't know why I would do that, but, you know, whatever. Um, so about three months passed. We're at his house again. We're just having dinner. And my friend's like, you guys, something crazy happened last night. Um, I heard crazy tapping noises coming from my closet. So being the paranormal fanatic that I am, I quickly got up and I started to scan his room, went, checked it out, opened up his closet, and it was so freaking cold in that closet. It was, I want to say it was about 10 degrees colder than the rest of the house. Like, it was crazy cold and I'm looking for a vent obviously there's no window in there there's no way there's any air blowing in there you know um there's no vent there's no window like why is this closet so cold compared to the rest of the room the house so we couldn't figure that out we thought that was really weird that gave that gave me chills and then like my friend's like yeah I heard crazy tapping coming from like something was tapping from the inside all night on and off so that was really really creepy so my friend is convinced that the, the, the home is haunted. Definitely there's something there. We don't know if it's a ghost, if it's a spirit. We don't know what it is, but it definitely gives us the creeps. He still lives there. Um, I haven't been back in a few years, um, but it, you know, it, it doesn't bother him to the point where he, you know, wants to up and leave, but it, there's definitely some type of energy there. Um, so yeah, that's my creepy story for you guys. Um, happy Halloween and I hope you guys have a good one. Hi, I'm Sabrina Marie from Two Realm Paranormal and this is my story. A location we work very closely with has a bad history where a story of a little girl that got raped to death by a horrible man in one of their buildings. Well, we decided to go there and do an investigation. And we, along with a few other women, made contact with this little girl. And she finally admitted that she was truly raped to death and that her killer was still there with her. To the point that uh, one of the volunteers that works there said that the hair on his body stood up when he heard this little girl admit through our spirit box. The next day, my mom and I decided to go down where this little girl is trapped with this man and move her on because I am a death doula and so is my mom and we work the best as a team with this. We got confirmation of the little girl. She actually showed herself to myself and showed herself partially to my mother. I managed to open the light but during this process we also saw the man as a horrible, dark daunting shadow figure that just put off one of the most evil vibes either one of us has ever felt. Having my grandmothers as my spirit guides, my mother 
managed to put up a protection shield with them to keep this man at bay while this little girl could run through the light. The last thing I remember seeing from this child was her looking back, like, is it really okay for me to go? When we both told her to run, she ran. And I closed that light instantaneously before he could actually come and do anything to us. Later that night, I took a fellow investigator who is also uh, a celebrity. Um, I don't think he'd mind me saying his name, Sean Austin, down into this area and did a small investigation with him. This man was extremely angry at both myself and Sean. He showed himself as this daunting shadow figure. We could both feel the evil coming from this man. And Sean actually picked up a few demonic brows and things that pointed to the fact that he was not necessarily human anymore. To the point where Sean was uh, able to pray and get this guy to back off. Now, when we go there, I avoid the basement at all costs. <laughs> That's where I'm going to stay, the basement. Because I can feel the evil from this man and the anger from this man that we took this little girl from him every time I'm near it. So that's the story. I'm going to keep this location undisclosed. But I want to wish everybody a happy Halloween from myself and my mom to Realm Paranormal. Hi, my name is Peter Orbea, host of the Paranormal Pete Show on WLTKDB.com. And thanks to Henry San Miguel and Paranormal Perception for giving everyone the opportunity to record our your own ghost story. And I've got so many, it was hard to <laughs> pick just one. Um, but I want to share a story that uh, had a big impact on me and something that stuck with me for a few days um, after the incident. And uh, I won't name the location, but it was on the Oregon coast. And uh, I was attending a paranormal boot camp uh, put on by some good friends of mine. And it was great because it was uh, parapsychology-based, scientific-based, and... Uh, it was really interesting. And during this uh, boot camp, they had uh, cameras set up in the basement of this location. And uh, with multiple cameras. And they kind of had the feed running in the classroom uh, that was upstairs. And I kind of kept watching that, you know, just kind of looking over at the screen every once in a while. And I started to see this little girl walking through one of the camera views right to left and then left to right and so she did that a couple times and and I kind of thought you know well am I wanting to see that is that why uh, I'm seeing that and as I was thinking about it more then I started seeing the statue of Mary uh, Jesus's mom Mary and I just started hearing in my head, Mary, Margaret, and those two names just really stuck out with me. 
And so I approached the class instructors uh, when there was a break and and said, hey, I keep, you know, I saw this little girl. Um, I'm getting this name. And um, they knew who I was talking about. And as a psychic medium, that was a good feeling to get some validation. And they let me go down and they took me to an area um, where I could meet her. And I should have prefaced this whole thing. This is, this isn't a scary ghost story, but an impactful one, at least, at least for me. And so I'm down in this area and just feeling all kinds of emotions. Um, definitely feeling this spirit around that I believe to be, um, of this girl. And I could tell that she was very nervous of me. And I had a hat on, and so I thought, oh, maybe, you know, my hat makes me look intimidating. I don't know, so I took it off, and, you know, I was just trying to communicate with her and let her know that, it, you know, I wasn't going to do anything to harm her, and that I was just there to say hello, and and uh, she seemed very curious and was just kind of almost peeking around the corner of this doorway at me, and... It, it took a, you know, probably a good 20 minutes. And then, then I felt like, uh, it was pretty comfortable. It, like she, maybe she was feeling comfortable and took, and took my hat off again. And I said, did you want to check out my baseball hat? And, and I think she kind of came forward a little bit. And at least I could feel energy, uh, moving towards me. And I let her know that I'm a dad and that I had girls. And asked if she needed a hug. And right after that, I felt this ice cold uh, sensation go around my waist and to my back. And I even felt pushed back slightly. And I just felt so many emotions and happiness and sadness and uh, trepidation and excitement all at once. And it was just... The emotions were almost intoxicating. And then I had to go back upstairs. And so I said, thank you. But uh, I I've, I've felt that way for the next couple of days and ended up having to let her know that she should go back to her home. And uh, that's my ghost story where I was hugged by a ghost. Uh, and I hope you all have an experience like that at some point, too. Be well. Take care. Those are the stories sent in by you, and some were recorded at OC Paracon. In a moment, we'll unearth some supernatural ghost stories. Enjoying this year's ghost stories? What? You didn't hear yours yet? Well, if it didn't make it onto this Halloween episode, it'll be on the Christmas episode. If you didn't send in a story, you have two months to get them in. Recorded at www.paranormalperception.show or recorded on your phone and send it to henry at paranormalperception.show. Keep it under five minutes so we can get in as many as possible. The Paranormal Perception Christmas episode will be released on Friday, December 23rd.
Halloween episode with Unearthing the Supernatural. So yeah, I made it kind of obvious who was going to be, who was going to wrap up the Halloween episode. But if you were with us at OC Paracon, if you've been with them at any event, you know everything always starts with Unearthing the Supernatural performing a ceremony. Well, I can do that too. I too have a ceremonial song to start this segment with. Back to a time when there were no computers, there were actual instruments, actual people singing, the music was more organic. So, to wrap up the Halloween episode, it, it is Unearthed in the Supernatural. We are going to finish with their stories. If you were at OC Paracon, if you've seen some of their recent videos on their channel, and you can go there, Unearthed in the Supernatural, you know there's a lighter side to Unearthed in the Supernatural. It's not just ghosts all the time. They do have fun sometimes. So, their Halloween stories this year will reflect that a little bit. Oh, oh, and now we can say happy Halloween. Ooh, happy Halloween, everyone. Happy. Wait, 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 wait. Happy Halloween. I need that. Yep. So now, watch, I can do that too. I'm gonna light the fire. There's the fire. There's the wind, the storm, everything's going on. So either one of you started. Go ahead and tell us this year's stories. Oh, so this is Sean Klein's Halloween story. Let me take you back decades, years ago, when Hiro and I were just children. At this time, we used to live in a trailer park many years ago. And come to find out years later that this area where this trailer park was established on used to be a burial ground for Anasazi people long ago. So we were constantly visited as children in our dreams of nightmares, constant horrors when we would sleep, night terrors, we'd wake up screaming for our parents. And I remember one particular dream, there was a dark entity with black lines all over his face, painted red and white, came up to me and grabbed me as a child. And he told me, I will come for you soon, and I'm gonna take you to where your parents can never find you again. And I woke up the next day, I freaked out and I told my brother, and he said, nothing's gonna get you. I'll make sure you're okay. There's one thing I remember from that deity was it had yellow and red eyes that glowed in the night. That terrified me. I was like, okay, so I shook it off. So I continue on our day. My brother and I would go outside and play. And it was just like a normal day. My parents worked day jobs at the time. And sometimes they had to hire a babysitter to watch us. Now, throughout the years, my brother and I have kind of gone through many babysitters, but this one was different. This story is a story of the possessed 
demon babysitter. So the babysitter arrived on the site, arrived at our home, knocked on the door, really loud too, pounded on the door. My father went to the door. So who's pounding on the door? Looked at her, really tall, tall woman. And at the time, I was a child, so you know everything was a lot bigger than me. So with that, she entered the home. My dad said, "I'm gonna be back in a couple hours. Is there any way you can watch the kids? The food's here. You know they have their bedtimes here, and they these are some of the chores they need to do." So yeah, no problem. I'll go ahead and take care of it. So my father left. Once that door closed, she turned and looked at my brother and I. She says, "Okay, I want you guys to do your chores, and I'm gonna make you some food." I said, "Okay." And me at the time, my brother and I, we kind of had a set schedule when we would do our chores, and she wanted us to do it at a certain time. It was out of our routine, so I rebelled. It's like I don't know you. You're not my mom. You're not my dad. This is the times we do our chores, and she stood over me. She looked me dead in the eye, and I looked in her eyes. That same yellow and red glow was inside of her eyes, and she looked at me and said, "I told you I'd come for you." I screamed and I ran away, but she grabbed my arm before I could run away to my bedroom, and she looked at me, and says, "I'm gonna count to five." If you are not doing your chores in five seconds, you're gonna go to timeout. She counted one, two, and I did not give her the chance to get to five. And I ran as fast as I could to my bedroom, and I went underneath our bunk bed that my brother and I had. And you just hear big, huge footsteps come in. Straight into the room, she says, "I told you what would happen if you ran away." And so my brother came running in after her. Leave my brother alone! Leave my brother alone! So she grabbed my leg and pulled me out, and put me in timeout. But here's the thing: I turned around and looked out of the corner of the room, and there was a dark shadow that jumped out of her body. And so after that, she turned out to be pretty nice. But here's the thing. We don't know where that shadow went. So after my father returned, we told him what she did to me, and she was fired that day. So my dad consoled us, my mother consoled us, you know, told us it was gonna be okay. She's never gonna be back.、I、said okay. So I went to bed. My brother and I went to sleep, and something just felt off in the room. That shadow that jumped off of her returned. You could hear it running around the room. Little tiny footsteps would go around. You hear one of the toys start moving around. You hear a string be pulled. There's a snake in my boot. Boy, man, was I scared! I was on the bottom、uh, bed of the bunk bed, and my brother woke up and heard the same thing. The sheets and my blanket on my bed started getting pulled, and I looked down and I saw Woody right there. But there wasn't just one set of footprints; there was two. You hear that coming around. Then when you hear that second voice come out, 
My heart dropped and I started screaming. Buzz, 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 light you're to the rescue! And both toys started pulling at my sheets and my brother jumped down and threw them against the wall. And he jumped in bed with me, we put the covers over us and then my dad came in, turned lights and the toys just dropped on the floor. Man, was that pretty scary as a little child. After my father turned on the lights, he said he saw a shadow come out of those toys and jump out of the window. Not too long after, we had a ceremony done and we had to move out of that trailer park. So for those of you who don't know, Anasaza spirits are very, very creative when they come to scaring children. So be ready and always look after your children. Last week, you told us Texas Chainsaw Massacre and Tremors were scary movie. Now, because of that, can you watch Toy Story now? It depends. I was a very traumatized child. A lot of hauntings happened. A lot of burial sites we used to live at. A lot of toys we used to have. They turned the things I love into things that scared me. Well, I do got to say, uh, I got to make it a little personal. When you guys came here, uh, uh, not for OC Paracom, but for the, uh, the uh, what is it called, the, the Ventura one. When you came for that one, we did go to, not to Disneyland, but to downtown Disney. We, we, we had dinner there, and you guys have fun. I didn't notice Sean Clem was a little hesitant around some things. Now it explains why. <laughs> Don't get me started on Goofy and Mickey. Oh, my God. People in suits like that scare me because they wear a false face. They look at you with a smile that has no life to it. You look in their eyes and there's no soul in there. And they're walking around bigger than you and they want to grab you. Turns out when I grew up, they just wanted to give me a hug. (laughs) They wanted to steal me. Chuck E. Cheese. Chuck E. Cheese, man. Guess he can't wait till the uh, Five Nights at Freddy movie next year. I'm ready now. I'm old enough. I'm, I'm big enough. Let's do it. Yeah, he's got a sword now. He's oh, not yeah. afraid of him now. So there it is. There, there's a. That's a good one actually. That one you haven't shared that one. You, you haven't shared too many. Usually it's hero telling the stories. Uh, I like that one actually. And uh, I mean, it won't be too much of a secret. But now you know. Next time you come here, it's gonna be some toys waiting for you because my oh, kids have geez. those toys too. Oh, <laughs> I'm ready. I've been training all these years. I am ready now. So, Hero, what do you have for us this year? Hold on, hold on. It's time to set the mood. Hey, uh, something... Something a little more personal. Something that may not have been anything with the devil or anything with evil. But it definitely was one of the most fearful times I've had in my life. Let me take you back when I was a senior in high school. I had gone through my training. I had traveled all across Turtle Island, learned a lot of different songs and ceremonies, and gotten some tattoos that I've earned, some seen some scary things, and dealt with some scary things. Did a lot for the, the high council, did a lot for the people. And so I requested that I come home for my senior year and that I was able to go back to school because prior to that I was homeschooled 
I was one of the first first students really to go through uh, online virtual school. So back then, it was tough, kind of imagining being taken away from my friends, being taken away from the people I knew. Pataya was one of them. So I'm a senior in high school, enjoying my my classes, enjoying being back in, with people. Still trying to find my way back in, fit in. Luckily, I had Jason Pataya. He's sitting next to me in my in our English class, and think things were going good. One night, I had a I had a vision. In this vision, a spirit came to me. And the spirit speaking a language that I didn't understand. Tried really hard to listen, really trying to focus my ears, trying to listen to what he was saying. Eventually, it started to make sense. Eventually, I started to understand, almost as if that language was transitioning into English. What's this? What's this? What's this? I woke up, just kind of thinking about it. I remember writing it down. I used to have a dream journal back then. Whenever I would have my visions, I'd write it down. And I would uh, be able to go talk to my elders, go talk to my mentors to see what might happen because I was trained to be able to interpret between dreams and actual visions. There's a certain methodology to that. But I wrote this down, I remember, and I felt strange still. So it was still early in the morning. I went up and did my prayers. I went to, to get ready for school, hopped on the bus. And went to my first hour class. So up in my first hour class was English. So I sat there next to Pataya and sitting there and writing down the, the lesson plan. There was always something in the beginning to write down, always something to do. And then the teacher started lecturing. She started speaking. And then I remember writing down notes, writing down what she was talking about. My head was down and I was just listening to her writing writing all of a sudden I hear a real high-pitched noise my ears started to ache so I reached up and I grabbed my ears I'm like, what's going on and as soon as it subsided and as it kind of faded away the high-pitched ringing it was a strange noise coming from the front of the classroom it, it, it scared me it it bothered me because I looked up and my teacher was still there. She was talking, she was speaking. Her lips were moving in English, like in speak, she was speaking English words. But what I could hear was a completely different language altogether. And I was, would blink, I kind of rubbed my ears. Like, What's going on? What's going on? Now, why is she saying these things? I didn't understand what she was saying. And so I started fidgeting around a little bit. It started bothering me, started worrying me. I kind of reached over to, to Pataya and I said, hey. I said, hey. It wasn't like how you're hearing it now. Hey. It was, oh, that's what That's what came out. What I heard. I said, hey. I know I, I had the air come out and I, I said the word, hey. But it, in my ears, I heard, hey. And he turned and he looked at me and he says, yeah, I could read his lips. What's going on? But that's not what he said. 
That's what I heard. And my eyes got big. And if Pataya were here, he would tell you that about that day as well. I freaked out. I got scared because the only thing I could hear was that language. People started looking at me. My classmates started looking at me. I started getting anxiety and agitated. I was like, in my mind, what's going on? I don't know what's going on. So I quickly just put everything in my bag and I walked out the classroom. My teacher came outside, outside kind of chasing after me. And she was speaking this language. time I didn't know what it what it was I didn't understand her and as as a as a teenager still I was I was worried and scared I said something's going on I, I didn't know if it was under attack I didn't know if there was something going on I was not quite warned that I knew of something like this would happen and so I just would try to speak and I think she was worried that I was having a stroke because my language my words weren't coming out quite right and so I ended up going to the office and the only thing I could do was write down what, what, what my thoughts were. I could still write in English and it was just what I could hear was in that, in that strange language. My parents were called, they came in and I was in the principal's office still trying to calm down. I still, even him, I could, they were all speaking this language and I couldn't understand. My mom and dad came in and I just broke down crying. I literally broke down to my knees crying. I was worried. I'm like, what's going on? I can't understand anybody. I was crying. I was crying and I just wrote down. I just, I can't understand. And so they took me, uh, my parents took me. The principal kind of already understood and knew who I was and kind of my situation of being a medicinal person and a healer so he he's like okay you go do what you have to do and i was taken to a medicine man still not able to hear my fa- my own family that's kind of what broke my heart i couldn't hear or understand my mom i couldn't hear or understand my dad my brother my sister my sisters i couldn't understand him and that hurt my heart and i was afraid what am i gonna do what I'm going to do and went to the medicine person even him I couldn't understand I tried speaking but they couldn't understand what I was saying it was coming out as garbled mess because you kind of determine what you're saying and your articulation and kind of based on your hearing as well a lot so it was all coming out jarbled something I didn't understand eventually we were able to communicate through writing things down medicine man kind of told me about that this was sometimes happens to those who are gifted those who are guardians and he helped me kind of get my mind back together to where I was able to focus and he guided me to go do my own ceremony so I took the reins and I performed the ceremony to kind of talk to the beings the spiritual beings again and when I talked to them instead of their mouths saying something and their what I was hearing was something different what they were speaking was that language and it was the same things that were coming out of their mouths that was a little bit kind of comforting right there okay they're speaking it they understand it they know it even though i don't even understand what they're saying they they know what's going on and basically we came to the summation that at this time there was something in my ear canal something in my brain that was spiritually placed there to where i could only hear this language no matter what language was spoken no matter what words were said It was nothing but this language, which is the spiritual language. You hear me speak to ghosts. 
the spiritual language you hear me during ceremonies, the spiritual language you sometimes hear when I tell stories. I was had, had this language is so complex and so hard, I was forced to learn it. I was forced to understand it inside and out. So that way when I sing, so that way when I pray, so that way when I communicate with beings of the other side, it is clear, it is concise, without confusion. It took me uh, at least four years of hearing nothing but that language to finally get to a mastery level of that language, to where I finally was able to turn it on and to turn it off. Now, I'm thankful for it. I have, I have access to talk to these beings. I can say my prayers in a different way. I can understand the stories, the old stories that were told before. And now I can communicate with the High Council, communicate with High Beings to receive orders, to kind of graduate, I guess, in a sense. But that was a scary time for me as a teenager, not being able to understand. And one final note, it was really hard to give the Navajo graduation speech in Navajo when you're hearing the spiritual language. That was difficult. But that's my scary story. Not necessarily something evil or dark, but something true and something that mentally is disturbing to not be able to understand your own family or anyone around you. Oh. Yeah, this, this year, both of you gave me stories that I'd never heard. Uh, you, the story you just told, Hero, that you, 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 you told me that a little bit. All of you did. Pattaya was there with us also. The night, the very first night we met, we, we, we just stayed up literally all night talking. You told me that story, but not in this much detail. Which honestly explains something that I never said anything. I just got used to it. It's just hero to me. But um, there are some times when you are talking. Because anybody that knows you and hears you, they, they can see. They can hear. You're a very well-spoken young man. But sometimes you you do pause. I've noticed that you do pause. And like it's like you're trying to figure out, like, wait. And you say it sometimes. How do you how do you say it in English? How would you say it? And, and I was wondering, like, like somebody who's so well spoken, like, why 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 would he be searching for what what to say? But I think you correct me if I'm wrong. I think there's a little bit of the uh, that when that happened, when the spiritual language just took over, if you want to see it that way. Uh, I think there's a little bit of that still there. So um, uh, it, it's still there, and uh, maybe that's why you pause sometimes. If I'm wrong, tell me. No, it's not at all. You're, you're, you're absolutely correct because when you're that's, that's all you hear that's all you're around that's all you learn about is in that spiritual language for as long a time as I had it you start thinking in that spiritual language you start understanding the world in that spiritual language and so with that instead of thinking in English and a lot of foreign speakers will know this to where English wasn't their first language they think in their most in their preferred language their thoughts are in that language and they have to translate it either into english or something else so that's that's how it is with me i kind of lost english as my primary language and that spiritual language is my primary language now so everything you're hearing ever since that day of senior year in high school is a translation which also explains why you're good, you're good at uh, the coding that that you're studying, because if you can handle the spiritual language and the Navajo language at the same time, coding yeah that's easy. I I speak other languages. I coding that's nothing. Oof, 
I don't know about that. I don't know about that. <laughs> the language of machines is a hard language to learn. <laughs> but see, that's why you, that's why you're called a hero when the machines take over. We're gonna turn to hero to speak their language and cool it, cool it. Those are my friends. Leave leave them alone, machines. So or just hit it. Just just hit it with a bat. That usually works too. <laughs> or pour water on it. One of the two. Pour water. On um, it. Just give, give it discreet mass. <laughs> So, so there you go. There's the uh, the had to finish off with unearthing the supernatural. There, there are the stories that always, always good ones. We had to finish off with with both of you guys. So, this is also the end of the end of the month. We started we started together literally at OC Paracon. Then we were at Vulture City Paracon. Um, since you were there at OC Paracon and you helped me, your co organizers for for the thing. It's our it's our event. Uh, everybody that was there and you're listening because I don't know all of you said you were and you have been. Uh, thank you, really. Uh, I know a lot of you said thank you, guys. You got, it was great, it was fantastic. It was really you, you guys. It was Unearthing the Supernatural. It was Patty Negri. It was Rick McCall. Everybody, all the speakers, but especially the attendees. It was you guys that really made it what it was. It was. It really, literally felt like like a family. Uh, I've never met anybody there, and that's what I wanted. I wanted to meet new people who are who have an interest in the paranormal. And all of you came up to say hi to 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 the guys, to me, to everyone that was there from our staff. Uh, they, they, everyone had a fantastic time. Can't wait till next year. Uh, go ahead. You guys, you know, say whatever you want about OC Paracon. Yeah. I just want to say thank you from the bottom of our hearts, from all of us at Unearthing the Supernatural. It was very, an unforgettable event, <sighs> unforgettable event. And it was really cool to meet a lot of great people, a lot of new people and a lot of our fans there as well. So if you guys missed out on this year, don't miss out on next year because it's going to be a lot, lot bigger than this one. A lot more events, a lot more stories, and a lot more people coming your way. So get your tickets early. Ahoo, ahoo. Thank you, everyone, for enjoying OC Paracon right alongside with us. We enjoyed everyone that showed up, all the speakers, all the, the talent, the, the event itself was amazing. But I agree with Henry. The attendees were the ones that really made it happen. They're the ones seeing their bright faces, seeing their questions answered, seeing their eyes open up with wonder as Zolska came out, as us, all the speakers did their presentations. We all did a fantastic job. I love OC Paracon. It's something I'm going to cherish for the rest of my life and something I'm going to add to my favorite list for each and every year we have OC Paracon. Don't want to miss out. Come on over to OC Paracon next year. Get your tickets early. And your favorite storyteller spirit will make an appearance again at OC Paracon. I was stop reading my mind. I was about to say that, actually, because uh, I got a lot of emails, seriously, from uh, a lot of the people, that, especially the ones that were there uh, that they, to hear Jolska's story. Uh, they're asking, are the guys going to do it again? Going to do it? And, and I've answered, I've, and all, all of you know uh, who got the emails from me, I said, I, I don't know. I can't answer. Um, I don't know if Hero can answer, although he just did right now. It's up to Jolska. If he wants to come back and share the stories with us, he will. Apparently, he said, yes, I want to. So, yeah, I guess uh, we're giving you a, a treat, a Halloween treat. He will. He will share some more stories with you. So all the he more reasons to everyone that was there. He loved the amazing interactions. And he kind of gauged the room a little bit. And he's going to change up the stories ever so slightly. But they're still going to be grand. Yeah. No, and everybody was impressed. I mean, they they were talking about it. They're still talking about it. A lot of people here here um, here listeners at uh, the Paranormal Perception. They're still talking about it. Who were there? How impressed they were, and how 
Uh, my kids, my kids were there in the room with us. They 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 got some lessons from Joska's stories, and they, they were just, they still talk. They share it with their friends. Like, no, I learned from Joska, and they're like, what? Who? But you know, it made an impression on them too. So yeah, wait till people. Uh, if you if you weren't there, you definitely got. It. We're gonna change it up a little bit for next year. We already know how, but we're not gonna share it yet until next year. And I think it'll assure that we get even more people sitting down and listening to Joska's story. So be ready for some announcements soon on that. So before we get out to go trick-or-treat or however you guys are going to celebrate Halloween, uh, Sean Clan or Hero, one of you, let let them know what's coming up on your channel and and, and uh, anything that, that they should be looking out for. Yeah, so if you guys uh, haven't heard yet, we are going to be re- are releasing a new episode called Joseph City, The Devil's Cave. So that's going to be a very, very haunted, scary episode and really is going to set the mood for you after you come back from trick-or-treating, you know, eating your candy, sit down with your family, watch this episode because it's going to be very, very intense. Watch it with the lights off. If, if you, you dare. dare. That's where we needed the... Uh, the laugh <laughs> <laughs> and there you go there is the uh, paranormal perception uh, halloween episode if you didn't get a story in uh, i did get a lot of them and, and no i didn't play back all of them because we'd be here for nine hours don't feel bad don't start thinking well why did i send it in for if you're not going to play it we are on christmas the christmas episode in the in, the, in case those some of you are new the way we celebrate Christmas here on Panel Perception is the way Christmas used to be celebrated back in the 1800s. Christmas back then was basically Halloween. Everybody's shared ghost stories, so that's what we're going to do. We're going to share some ghost stories. We did it last year. A couple of you sent in some spooky songs, so we might do that if you want to do that. So the same way you recorded your Halloween episodes, look for that around December or probably November. Uh, it'll be up there. You can record your story, and you will hear it on the Christmas episode. But... We're not taking a break. We'll be back. We'll be back next week. I'm not sure exactly who we're going to have. We'll have somebody. You may hear, probably will, the the boys come back because, uh, you know, they are the show's spiritual and, and paranormal consultants. So uh, they, they need to add their knowledge to whatever we, we, whoever and whatever. It might just be us talking about something. So be on the lookout for that. So uh, I have the link to everything if you're not following already. And uh, they, they, they did a post, uh, when was it, a couple weeks ago. They are up to, what is it, like 7,000 or more followers already? Yeah, so our YouTube just passed 1,600 subscribers. So that's really awesome. We got over 7,000 followers or 7,500 followers on TikTok. So we're growing. Be sure to share all of our content, everybody. And I just want to say thank you to all of our amazing fans who have joined us throughout the years. You guys rock. We got some more awesome content and teachings coming your way. Yeah, I was going to say the best is yet to come. So there you go. There's a Halloween episode. Thanks again to everybody that sent in stories. And come on back next week for a new perception of the paranormal. And, of course, have a safe and happy Halloween. (laughs) And that was the 2022 Halloween episode. Thank you to all of you who recorded the ghost story for this episode. If you didn't hear yours or you didn't get a chance to record a ghost story, you've got a month and a half to get one ready and record it. We'll be sharing all of your ghost stories for the Christmas episode. 
Follow the show on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube, all under Paranormal Perception. If you're not already, follow Unearthing the Supernatural on YouTube, TikTok, and Instagram. Everyone have a safe, happy, and, of course, scary Halloween. From all of us on the microphones and behind the scenes at Paranormal Perception and OC Paracon. We'll see you in 2023. This is Paranormal Perception.